Hi, I'm Kim Vu. Welcome to Vietnola, the show about being Vietnamese in New Orleans. Vietnola is our window into our Vietnamese community in New Orleans and a bridge to Vietnam. We're a member of the family of shows on the podcast network, itsneworleans.com. Xin chào quý vị. Đây là bài Vietnola, chương trình pháp hành về cộng đồng Việt Nam ở New Orleans. Vietnola là một cánh cửa để nhìn vào cộng đồng ở New Orleans và một cảnh nối với quê hương. Vietnola là một số trình diễn trong chương trình pháp hành podcast itsneworleans.com. Today on the show, we'll have a conversation with Lily Ngo Tran, who is a psychiatry resident at Tulane University School of Medicine, Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences. Originally from Southern California, Lily came to New Orleans to attend med school at Tulane. Her initial contact with the Vietnamese community began as a de facto interpreter in the inpatient psych unit. From there, she actively chose to work within the Viet community and accepted a position as the behavioral health consultant for the New Orleans East Louisiana Community Health Center in association with Mary Queen of Vietnam Community Development Corporation. She's come on the show today to share both her professional and personal experience with the NOLA Viet community. Lily, I'm sure your schedule is insanely busy. Thanks, first of all, for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I've known a lot of Vietnamese doctors of all ages, uh, having <laughs> had a doctor, still have a doctor forefather who mm-hmm. also taught at a few med schools in Southern California. But you are literally the first Vietnamese American doctor I've met who specialized in psychiatry. How did you select this specialty, and did you feel that you were going against the cultural grain by this choice? Uh, well, I agree with you. I'm the only Vietnamese psychiatrist that I know, <laughs> um, which is pretty interesting. Um, I decided on it after going through med school, going through all the different rotations, you know, pediatrics, medicine, surgery. I originally wanted to do pediatrics, and my mom was actually pretty thrilled about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but oh, then, babies! Oh, uh, yeah, babies, <laughs> little kids. It'll make you want them really it's quickly. wonderful. <laughs> You're going to be such a great doctor. And then I went through all of that, and it didn't interest me at all. No night calls, please. Okay? No. Yeah, no. <laughs> and then I came to psychiatry, and the population was just so interesting, and there were so many things involved that I fell in love with it, and that's what I decided to do. Um, and once I told my mom, she kind of flipped out a little bit. And uh, she was like, what, what? You want to be a crazy person, doctor? You're, <laughs> you're going to turn crazy just like all of them. So, I, I mean, I definitely felt like I was going against the cultural norm for, for our community, for sure. And you went to med school with a pretty high population of Vietnamese people in, in the school, I imagine, no? Uh, well, my undergraduate school, UCSD, uh, was pretty high in, in, in Vietnamese culture and, and Vietnamese population. But it, my medical school, which was in St. George's University, which was oh, in the Caribbean. The islands. Yeah, the islands. Smart. <laughs> <laughs> which was a little bit more, you know, variety there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So. And uh, we were agreeing that psychiatry is kind of stigmatized in the Vietnamese American community. Has oh, being yeah. Vietnamese helped you or hurt you with your Vietnamese patients? You know, I don't want to say that it hurt me, but I definitely don't think that it helped me at all. Um, I came into it pretty optimistic and I think a little bit naive even, thinking that, oh, you know, I'm Vietnamese, I'm going to change the world, I'm going to change the Vietnamese, you know, culture and their ideas about psychiatry and mental health. 
And that did not come to pass at all. And then you met people in our parents' generation. Yes. <laughs> and everybody was, yeah, it, would, it just didn't happen. So I think, again, I think I was really optimistic and naive that, that I could do something and, and that I could treat as many Vietnamese people that I could that, I, that you know, had mental health issues. Um, but I found out that, especially working at the New Orleans East Community Center, that you know, even though I'm Vietnamese, nobody really wants to come see me because they don't want to either, you know, acknowledge that they have mental health issues or they just, it's stigmatized. And so they don't want to come see me. So do you have clients, patients? Um, so when I started out at the clinic, I was very hopeful in that, you know, because there's such a rich Vietnamese population in that, in that clinic that I would be able to see a lot more patients. But I started in July of last year. And so far I've had two patients that have wow. been Vietnamese that have come to me with, you know, some sort of mental health issue. I don't know how much you can disclose, but can, the age, what is the, do you find maybe, is it younger people who are more willing to come be, mm-hmm. be, seek treatment or is it? I think the younger generation is definitely more willing to come seek treatment. Right now, out of my two patients, only one of them is um, in their 20s. The other one is actually a little bit older in our parents' generation, so around their 50s, 60s. I imagine that there is some sort of protocol in your field in general as to treating patients. To mm-hmm. what extent did you have to change that? Or how, how is that changing when you're, when you're working with Vietnamese mm-hmm. patients? There is definitely a protocol. Um, I went into it not thinking that I would have to change much, except for uh, my older Vietnamese patient doesn't speak English very well, so I try to, as much as I can, speak in Vietnamese with her. Um, but I didn't change much, and I and I wish that I did. After talking to one of my attendings about how I haven't been getting that many Vietnamese patients, and maybe the way that I approach things or I approach patients could have been different, so that I could be able to, you know, create a better rapport with them, so they would they would be more willing to come see me, mm-hmm. such as incorporating a lot more of the Vietnamese culture and, and sort of kind of health practices, like starting groups where we talk about acupuncture or meditation or things like that to just at least bring them in or draw them in to see my face, talk to me, get to know me. Trust you. Trust me. And then, you know, go ahead and maybe start that dialogue about, oh, you know, your stomach hurts or you have headaches i wonder if you're feeling a little sad today or you've been sad and you know what ways can i help you with that so you did do those things you started these groups no i talked with my attending about it that that was the route i should have gone but i didn't Uh uh-huh yeah so that was unfortunate i mean is it i i think i learned this from a movie there's some saying that freud said that the irish Mm -hmm. can't be broken with psychiatry so so is that true with the Vietnamese? Uh, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> That's a little bit hard. Um, it, it looks like you did some work not just with this clinic, but maybe with their resilience study with um, Dr. Mai Do. Were you involved? I wasn't involved, but um, her husband did send me her articles, and I read I'm a little bit about with it. Yeah. And it seems like there are, in this community, in New Orleans, there's a handful of common sources of anxiety mm-hmm. um one thing i found interesting with some of the previous guests who did this kind of research is mm-hmm. that 
Actually, the BP spill was much more stigmatizing to fisher people here mm-hmm. than Hurricane Katrina. Mm-hmm. Uh, any observations of that phenomenon in your in your work with the community? Um, not with my current work with the community, with the patients that I have. I haven't seen very many of the patients who have been affected, at least the Vietnamese in the Vietnamese population that have been affected by the BP spill coming in with complaints or anything like that. Uh, but I can see how it it would be traumatizing to them, being that, that that's their livelihood and, you know, cutting off their livelihood is is pretty traumatic and needing help after that could be. But somehow Hurricane, Hurricane Katrina didn't really psychologically affect a lot of Vietnamese Americans mm-hmm. here. What What is your theory on that? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know why that big you know, incident wouldn't have caused such a psychological trauma on on the Vietnamese community as much as the BP Lost spill. Lost the job. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, I, I, I found, uh, you know, I smiled when I read some of your responses to our questions mm-hmm. about your observations between the East and West Bank because they're, they're not, I've had them. I wouldn't say them out loud to <laughs> other Vietnamese people <laughs> from here. Yeah, I don't want to say it out loud to the people here, but I have observed it and I talk about it with other people. <laughs> yeah. Are you willing to share your, I mean, you know, your, your. Uh... Well, just as an outsider coming mm-hmm. from a different state and coming here, I don't know, what was it, three years ago? Um, noticing that there is two distinct Vietnamese communities, you know, one on the, East, uh, East Bank and one on the West Bank and you know they don't interact with each other very much or at least it seems <laughs> like it, they don't interact with each other very much they have their own festivals you know and things like that and their own churches and their own churches pagodas. yeah and so I find that really interesting especially from where I'm from which is Southern California there isn't really distinct you know like this is my side this is your side we're all just here together and you know, there's no river running, separating. No, <laughs> no river. And I've even noticed it's not like northerners are on one side and, mm-hmm. and southern northern Vietnamese people live in a certain area. Right. It, I can't figure out exactly what the distinction is. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, in a bit, I want to hear your cross-cultural experiences being married to a man who is both Persian and Jewish. But first, I'd like to go to our segment, Vietiquette, where we explore the quirks and charm of culture and etiquette, both here in Vietnamese New Orleans and Vietnam. And I liked what you brought to the table, uh-huh. coining and cupping. Yeah. So growing up as a kid and as a young adult, I guess, before you know I went to, to med school and everything like that, you know, a major source of healing powers or traditional healing for when you're sick when you have a cough when you have a cold whatever my mom would coin me or cut me and you know I totally thought that was incredibly normal growing up like oh yeah you know if I start getting sick I'm gonna get coined or cupped can you explain to our listeners what that process involves so it usually involves some sort of methanol type of oil and you rub it on your back and you they call it coining because they used to use a coin like a quarter or something to scratch the surface of your back when there's the methanol oil on it so that it you know releases the bad to- quote unquote bad toxins from your body 
Um, and, and the same kind of idea goes with cupping, but you use cups instead to draw out the bad toxins. And so I got that all the time as a kid, and I, I totally thought it was normal. But when you see it happening or when you see the aftermath of it, <laughs> it can be kind of disturbing. What is that? What does it look like? It looks like you've been bruised terribly on your back. Like there's marks and lines of red and purple and blue. And your friends are like, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, no. I My husband had seen it before and I had asked him to do it before and he thinks it's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> your husband's a, a medical doctor as yes, well. Yes, yes. So he, yeah, he makes fun of me all the time about it. So do you still practice any quote-unquote traditional medicine practices eastern um not traditional like cupping or coining i've kind of let that fall to the wayside but you know simple things like meditation i will try to do sometimes not acupuncture Mm -mm, no acupuncture or anything like that how come um i don't know i guess i've i'm just used to western medicine now going through medical school um but I don't tell people not to do it if that they, they feel like that's something that they really believe in and want to do acupuncture or coining or, you know, cupping. Um, I encourage them if, if that's what they want to do. Have you spent much time in Vietnam? Um, only when I was younger, when my mom took me um, home. I think we went maybe about five, five times or so when I was younger. So. And how old were you? Probably in my early teens up into high school. Okay. Yeah. So it was definitely when I was younger. I haven't been back since then. Any interest in doing some medical work in, overseas, in Vietnam? Um, sometimes I think about it, wanting to at least go back there and, and see everybody again, see my family, kind of, you know, tell them what's been going on with me and how now I'm a doctor and I can help out and, and do all these great things. Oh, that'd be hard, huh? Opening up a, a little... Uh psych practice in vietnam yeah, i don't think that would happen so much more than just maybe a medical practice um not a not a psych practice but um um i definitely think about it my mom is very you know kind of she's been here a while in the in the states and so i think she's kind of given up on going back so i back to your mother and the topic uh, we i mentioned i like the story of the mothers oh, yeah. and your marriage. Yeah. Can you share that with our listeners? So my mom is very traditional, very Vietnamese. And um, he his mother is very traditional Persian Jewish. Um, when we first started dating in medical school, you know, I was very apprehensive about telling my mom because, you know, he's <laughs> first of all, he's Persian. First, and then second of all, he's Jewish. Third of all, he's not Vietnamese. This was like... A horrible idea for me but um when I told her she was quite surprised and I think the first thing out of her mouth was oh my god you're dating a terrorist <laughs> because he was Persian yeah and so that was quite and interesting his scheme was to go to med school yes and like fake it yeah right and then take over a hospital right yes was that the theory yes yes totally viable theory i think so <laughs> but yeah she was totally against it totally like what are you thinking dating this terrorist person who doesn't know you and your culture and will not understand me and my culture and that sort of thing so i think it came from a place of you know being scared of something new and something 
something that she wasn't familiar with. So I think that's that's what really happened. And I think that sort of happened with his mom too. I don't think she really enjoyed the fact that I was neither Persian nor Jewish. <laughs> but they, we all love each other now. It's all good. And in the end, how do you think you got to that place? I guess because we've been together so long and they finally gave up. <laughs> You wore them down. Yes, we wore them down. You wore your mothers from other countries down. (laughs) There's going to be nobody else. There's not going to be some Vietnamese guy next to me, Mom. I'm sorry. This is it. So take it or leave it. Yeah. But I think this this part of the show is dedicated to all those who date Vietnamese Americans. That's right. There is hope. Yes. It may take time. It may. But there is hope. Eight years, but it will happen. Do you have any future plans or projects, links you want to share on something you're working on? Um, Nothing I'm currently working on for the future, at least for next year. I'm going to be chief resident for my psychiatry program with my co-chief, Ben Lowenberg. And so I think a lot of our focus right now is just being a good leader and a good liaison between the residents and and the administration and our program um, for right now. So that's about it. You think you'll stay here or you'll move back or? We'll probably move back since both of our families are still over there. Southern California. Like good, yeah. good Vietnamese Americans should. should yes. I should always go back and <laughs> live with my mother and or have her live with us. Right. Is always the best thing. Sneak her over here. You know, there's a Vietnamese community here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. she she had already threatened when I first moved here that she would move here and buy a house and live with me and cook for me and clean for me and I could go to work and everything will be just fine. And I was like, well, I'm going to move back, so I don't think you have to do that. <laughs> so it all worked out in the end, I think. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on this show. We've enjoyed having you. Well, thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed it myself. And thanks for listening. That's all for today. Our show is produced by Kim Vu, Tom Lasher, and Grant Morris. Our technical director is Chris Kehoe. Our theme song was composed by Taylor Smith and performed by the Swamp Lilies. The fabulous audio quality of this show is brought to you in part by PreSonus Audio Electronics. PreSonus makes some of the best audio recording and live-sounding products, including Studio One music production software, Studio Live digital mixing consoles, Air Studio monitors, and much more. Visit www.presonus.com for more information. You can follow us on Twitter at It's New Orleans. You can like us on Facebook. We're at It's New Orleans. And you can subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes and Stitcher. You can listen to our other Vietnola shows on our website, itsneworleans.com, as well as our other shows, Happy Hour, Out to Lunch, Mindset, True to the Game, and Midnight Menu Plus One. Keep up with all kinds of fun happenings here at Vietnola by getting on our mailing list. Sign up on our website, itsneworleans.com. Vietnola was recorded today in the lovely city of New Orleans. If you'd like to be a guest on Vietnola, we'd love to have you. Drop us a line. You'll find all the information you need on our website. Vietnola is produced by INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. For everyone here at Vietnola, thanks for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you back here next week for our next episode of Vietnola. Until then, I'm Kim Vu. Bye-bye.
summer's almost over, but at Old Navy, the styles are as hot as ever. Get to Old Navy now for 30% off all jeans, 40% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, get 30, 40, and 50% off all your favorite styles for the whole family, plus up to 75% off clearance. Hurry in fast. These deals won't last. The sale ends soon at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid in-store 822 to 828 and online 822 to 824. Excludes in-store clearance, bubbles, active, licensed, and men's package tees.